0: Eagles
1: Entertainment. Eagle
0: Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. I did move. I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast. Play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time.
1: Let's go.
0: Touchdown!
1: You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another week, and we've got a big road win to break down as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 362. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Greg Cosell from NFL Films as we take a look at this team's win over the Carolina Panthers before getting into the quick turnaround against Tom Brady and the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Bucks on Thursday Night Football. Before we get there, just a couple quick things I want to make sure we hit on. Number one. Make sure you jump on the Apple podcast, leave us a rating, leave us a comment. If you've got a question, we will answer it here on the show. We've got a couple that we will hit on here this week. And one good one here at the end of today's episode, as always, make sure you go check out the all 22 review, which has got all of my all 22 analysis, video clips, all the different, my big takeaways from the game that should be up by the time you listen to this podcast, whether it's on philadelphiaeagles.com or on the Eagles YouTube page, as well as go check out my post snap read, where I focused in on the Eagles defense and all three levels, guys making plays along the defensive line, at linebacker and at secondary in the win over Carolina. Also, right now, if the season ended today, the Eagles would have three first or three top ten picks in next year's draft. If you want to know who the top players are, make sure you are subscribed to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Myself, Dane Brugler, Ben Fennell. We were there talking about the big winners of a crazy weekend in college football. We're talking NFL draft twice weekly, every week, over on the Journey to the Draft podcast, wherever podcasts can be found. But Let's get this podcast rolling. Excited to get to talking with Greg Cosell about the big win in Carolina. It's time for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, time to dive into the tape now as I welcome in my friend Greg Cosell to talk about this Eagles win down in Carolina and preview next week's matchup, or really this week's matchup, just four days away, against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Greg, uh, excited to get your thoughts here uh, on an interesting game. Well, Fran, I'm sure you knew, as I did, that they were going to win this game all along, right? Yeah, of course. It's exactly I mean, how we drew
0: it up. Yeah, they were just teasing us for the first three quarters. And, you know, they, we just knew they were going to win the game in the fourth quarter. I, I had no doubts whatsoever.
1: No, no question. And look, it's one of those games that certainly in all three phases, there are areas of improvement. And in all three phases, you say, all right, well, th- there are some things you like, right? And that's those you're going to need those kinds of wins. I said this in the postgame show last night after the game. No matter where you are looking at this Eagles team, big picture. If you're looking at that small, you know, kind of small potatoes, and say, "All right, well, uh, just looking here, at 2021, we I feel like they can compete for the division. I really feel like they can go out and, and compete uh, for a wild card spot, whatever it is." Well, if you if, if that's the case, you need wins like this in your bag. You need like wins like this in your resume. Or if you're saying, "Look, I'm not necessarily worried about the playoffs this year. Let's just I'm worried big picture." Well, this is, a, these are one of those wins that as a new coaching staff, you can kind of refer back to and say, you know, when things are down fighting through adversity, all three, you know, this is a team that a, a game that a coaching staff can kind of build around. So I do think it's an important win from that standpoint, but I know after going through the film, the big takeaway for you, for both you and I going separately, the defense was really, really impressive in this one.
0: Yeah, very impressive. And started with the front four. I thought they played really, really well as a unit. We can talk about individual players, I thought, you know, Hargrave continued to have really good snaps. Cox had some good snaps. Sweat had some good snaps. Um, I thought they did some good things with stunts. Um, So it started with the front four. The other thing that really stood out to me was we saw less split safety coverage, more single high safety coverage. They did travel sleigh on Moore when Moore lined up outside. That was something different as well. Now, they did that. They still did not play. A high percentage, or very much man coverage, but they at least traveled Slay, who obviously is seen by most as a you know matchup type corner. But at least they lined him up over Moore when Moore lined up outside. So that was definitely a change in the secondary with the more single high. But it all started for me anyway with the
1: defensive line. Yeah. The defensive line was outstanding. And I think obviously it starts uh, on the interior with those two defensive tackles. When you look at Fletcher Cox uh, and Javon Hargrave, both guys getting home for sacks in this game. But I thought this was kind of one of those interesting showcase games from a breakdown standpoint where it's like, okay, you can see not just each guy making plays in a one-on-one standpoint, but also how they complement each other, right? Because we saw cases where the offensive line slid the protection one way or the other, creating those one-on-ones. There were there was yep. a play where Fletcher Cox gets inside and forces the quarterback off his spot, and Hargrave is able to kind of clean him up and flush him from the pocket, right? So you just saw those guys kind of working in concert. So uh, just from a pure narrative standpoint, kind of interesting just looking at that just in a, uh, in a vacuum in this game. No, and you're right, because the
0: first sack, which came on third and four in the second quarter by Hargrave, He, he beat the left guard Daly, but the offensive line slid away from Hargrave to Cox's side. Cox was kind of in a four eye technique alignment. And they, and there was an example where they played cover three behind that four man D line rush. So just to speak to your point, Hargrave gets the one-on-one against a converted college tackle and Daly, who's now been playing guard for the Panthers. And he just beats him, drives him um, right back into the pocket and gets the sack. Um, The sweat. I think the second sack was Sweat. It was third and 10 in the high red zone, which was also in the second quarter. And that involved Cox as well, because it was an ET stun. Cox was the outside looper on that. And he forced Arnold to step into Sweat. Sweat was the picker, meaning he went first and Cox looped around him. And what essentially happened was Cox forced Arnold to step up right into Sweat, who had driven back Christensen, the right tackle, into the pocket. So You know, uh, Cox was um, was a a part of both of those, even though he did not get credit for the sack on either one.
1: No question. And what I like, too, about a lot of those third down sacks, you mentioned one on third and four. There was a a third and eight. There was a a bunch of third and long plays. And that's something uh, I feel like that gets a little bit un, you know, under talked about, I guess, when it comes to this defense and some of the struggles they've had in the last couple of weeks leading into this game, right. Was that uh, not only does, are we seeing that where the, Hey, look, when they, when the offense is able to run the football, it's a lot of third and short, a lot of third and short. I really do feel when you talk about, Oh, well, you know, the, the fronts, there's not a lot of creativity where are they, how are they creating these one-on-ones for Fletcher Cox or Hargrave or these DNs? Well, when it's third and two or third and one or third and three, you are far less likely to line up in anything exotic or try and create anything from a matchup standpoint, as opposed to what you would do if it's third and seven, third and eight, third and nine. And so the Eagles getting into more of these third and long situations in this game allowed them to try and create more of those one-on-one matchups for sure as well.
0: Yeah. And what stood out to me was the stunts. There were multiple yeah. stunt concepts in this game. They almost had a fourth sack, as you know, on third down late in the third quarter. That was another ET stun. Hargrave looped behind Barnett and he had a clear path to Darnold. And that was the one where, um, you know, Darnold just had to try to run away from Hargrave and he got rid of the ball just as Hargrave got to him. So I thought the stunts really showed up in this game and were very effective against the Panthers all
1: line. Yeah, and just for our listeners, if you think if you play basketball, you understand you know the, the basic pick-and-roll play, right? Well, it's so great against man-to-man defense. Well, same thing. The defensive line, once they get a beat on which way the offensive line is going to slide on any particular down, a lot of teams, a lot of coaches will give the defensive tackles that ability to call a stunt up front, right? So uh, the defensive tackle has a sense, all right, they're sliding away. We're on the man-to-man side of the protection. Well, now let's say, hey, defensive end, let's run a let's run a stunt here. Let's run a game. And, and now you can see those guys kind of work off each other. I thought that was the case on that uh, Josh Sweatsack.
0: And that's very possible you could be right because what happens is, is if, if they're going to slide away, the center is not in position to help on the stunt. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, again, I'm sure teams do do that where they can call it on their own. Um, so I can't speak to whether the, the stunts that worked in this game were, you know, were on that play, play calls sure. that came in from the sideline or right. whether they did that on their own. But all I know is there were, it seemed to me anyway, that
1: there were more stunt concepts in this game. Uh, last individual point on those D tackles. I think one of the things that we've seen from Javon Hargrave over these last few weeks, because uh, he just continues to be so productive and win so many of these one-on-one battles, his understanding of how to attack, the alignment of the guard that he's matched up with, I think is so, so strong. He's yeah. often lined up uh, as a one technique. And if the guard is the guards, obviously outside him, if he's the one technique. So uh, for our listeners, it can be a little bit tough without a visual aid. But uh, if you imagine that, okay, the offensive line sliding away, you're matched up on an offensive lineman that is lined up outside of you. So that guy's got to step inside to get between him and the quarterback. He does a great job of stepping outside to make that offensive lineman kind of stutter a little bit and then knifing back inside, if, if, you know, you know what I'm saying. So basically, right, setting sure. up that offensive lineman. Yeah, absolutely, and and he's um,
0: and you know, people probably just think of, of bull rushes as just pure power, but there's a lot of hand placement involved and hand usage involved yep. in those kinds of things. Uh, because you're not, it's very difficult just to push back a 310 pound man, so you need to do some things to get him off balance. I think Hargrave is very, very good at that.
1: Yeah, that's uh, something I think we'll continue to see more from Milton Williams as well. He'll, he'll show some flashes of being able to do that as just a rookie third-round pick, continuing to develop uh, that into his skill set. Um, defensive ends, you look at Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett. Look, the, the Panthers had a lot of issues to tackle last week. They were missing their starter, Cam Irving. Uh, interesting that they decided to go that approach with mo- moving Taylor Moten, who's been a career right tackle, going back to college at Western Michigan, moving him to left tackle, taking Brady Christensen, who has been yeah. a left tackle by trade and moving him to right tackle. Both guys really struggled. And, and that allowed the defensive end. To, I know they didn't they didn't always show up in the sack column, just constantly in the lap of quarterback Sam Darnold.
0: Yeah, no, they struggled. And I think their O-line has been a little bit of an issue all season, the Panthers, right. that is, and uh, making that change. Again, they obviously thought it was their best way to go, uh, and and they know their players better than we do, but clearly both left tackle Christensen, uh, left tackle Moten and right tackle Christensen had issues in this game mm. with the Eagles' uh, defensive end. So, you know, that was, uh, as we said, this was a game for the D-line, and, and of course, the interceptions as well, because the Eagles had not really been a turnover team through the first four weeks of the season.
1: No, we saw, I feel like the the benefit, you know, it's funny, a lot of people say, like, more press coverage, more press coverage, more press coverages. Well, there's obviously – there's there's pros and cons to everything, right? And when you look at uh, one of the values of playing softer zone coverage, playing from depth, playing off coverage, is that you're able to see everything from snap to finish. You're able to read the quarterback uh, through the, from from throw to catch point. And with all three of these picks, the two by Darius Slay, the one by Steven Nelson, uh, both coming in – or all three, rather, coming in off zone coverage where the corners were able to just read it and and drive on the football and make a play.
0: Oh, yeah. And the first one by um, he that was the cover two side of the defense. Quarter, quarter, half, yep. Yeah, it was quarter, quarter, half. And he played that really, really well because when you're in cover two as a corner, um, obviously you have rules, but you sort of try to play between the flat route because you're responsible for the flat and any route kind of behind you in that outside void. And I thought he did that really, really well. I mean, he was in perfect position, made a great play. Um, And then the second one, um, that was a little different because that was a five-man front, which the Eagles played a lot of in this game. And it was always Avery who was the fifth player on the line of scrimmage. Uh, And they played three under, three deep behind it. And Slay, you know, in in, in that kind of defense, it it becomes a match-up defense at some point. You've got to match up to your receiver. And Slay matched uh, Moore's intermediate sit route. And Darnold put the ball outside, which to me was a poor throw, but yeah, that all the yep. interception. Yeah, no question. Uh, and that then that Nelson one there. was great because he he really sat on that. I mean, I, I thought that was quarter, quarter half as yeah, well. Yeah, I thought
1: I thought so too. But this time over on the quarter side, he was playing in, in cover four yeah, line. He he
0: was he was on the he was a cover four corner, and I thought he did an outstanding job, Fran, because he never got out of his pedal. No, he yeah. never turned his body. And then he jumped the throw to Anderson on on the out route. So to me, that was playing quarters coverage textbook. That, That was the way you would teach it. Don't get out of your pedal. Don't turn your body until you absolutely have to.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. When, you're, when your defensive line is winning at the level that the Eagles defensive line was winning on Sunday, uh, those corners, you feel a little bit more confident in jumping some of those routes because, you know, the pressure's going to get home. That ball is going to come out hot, the ball right? The ball's going to so, come out. Yeah, the ball's going to yeah, come and, out. And
0: Darnold, it was a game where Darnold, and, and I think this was a function of the Eagles' D-line, this was a game where Darnold was not comfortable in the pocket. He played yeah. a little fast. He hurried himself. His feet were not calm. I mean, he they got him playing the way, you know, Most people think of Sam Darnold, right or wrong. That's the way people think of Sam Darnold.
1: And the Eagles got him to play that way in this game. Rotation of linebackers. The Eagles played three different, essentially three different defensive packages. You saw like relatively a a big nickel, that five-man front with one off-ball backer and five DBs. We saw the base defense with three backers and then the regular nickel. Between those four backers, so Alex Singleton, Eric Wilson, T.J. Edwards, Davion Taylor, saw more Taylor than we've seen yet. Uh, was there one guy in particular that kind of stood out to you most on film? I, I thought Taylor flashed a handful of times. And T.J. Edwards, uh, to me, really flashed in this game as well, playing downhill.
0: Yeah, I think that's what he is. I think I think yeah. Edwards is that kind of player. You know, obviously, he doesn't get a ton of snaps. It depends on the opponent yep. because he's not going to play in the nickel. Um uh, and this team does not play dime. So he's not really going to play in the nickel. The nickel, if they're going to go with a four D line nickel, then it's predominantly Singleton and Wilson. And Taylor will Taylor could increasingly get some snaps in the four-two nickel, Fran. I think that they they might be working toward that just because he's so athletic. In the five-one nickel, um, it, it seemed as if uh, it, it was Singleton or Wilson as as the stack backer. Hmm. So I'm very curious to see where, where Davion Taylor goes, because we know what he is athletically. Yep. Uh, You know, we don't know. You may know I'm not in the building, but you know, we don't know where he stands mentally as far as picking up what he needs to pick up, but he is a superior athlete.
1: Yeah. And he made a play out the screen game where he was able to avoid a block. Uh, He made a play downhill at the point of attack. I thought was impressive and even just kind of running around and hunting up crossers uh, was active out there. So look, is it all perfect with him? No, not yet. I'm just interested to get to see him get more reps, stay healthy, get more yeah, reps, uh, and see agree. what it looks like in this defense. Um, real quick, you mentioned something there, uh, and I only want to ask you about this because it was brought up late last week. Uh, it was kind of talked about you know, here locally uh, from a media standpoint. You mentioned Eagles not necessarily a dime team defensively, uh, one of a handful of teams that aren't really a dime defense. And when you look at the teams that – haven't really been dime defenses. A lot of the zone heavy schemes. So, you know, you look at the Buffaloes and the Indianapolis, and you go down the list. What are some of the the reasons why you think that that would be the case? And is that um, you know, is that something that holds a defense back because they're not a six defensive back team? what are, what do you think are the reasons behind why a team, if you're a heavy zone team, well, you're not going to necessarily play a lot of six DBs on the field.
0: That's a hard question to answer because I mean, look, the team they're playing this week has played one snap a dime all year. Yeah, I don't think it's, anybody's it's ripping true. Todd. Ball. I don't think anybody's ripping Todd balls and saying what the hell are you doing. Right. So yep. I, I don't know how to answer that. I think that 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 could be a philosophy, and it could be a function of personnel. Yeah. Because the Eagles have played poorly, it's easy to rip Jonathan Gannon. No doubt. And in fact, I did a show yesterday where I said, you know, let's slow the roll a little bit. They've played four games. Yep. You know. Jonathan Gannon is not trying to play bad defense and the Eagles are not trying to lose games. So there's a reason that he's not playing dime. Okay, now he doesn't have to come out and state it philosophically and get into a big time football conversation at his press conference. So we may never know the specific reason. He doesn't have to tell us that. Um, but it, it ultimately comes down to philosophy and personnel. If you have a dying player, don't forget you need a player. Normally, it's a safety. Normally, yep. not always. Not always. It depends on the team. But very often, it's a safety that's a dying player. And that requires a specific skill set. Now, if you play a team, let's say that lines up a ton in two-by-two two sets, you may feel very comfortable with a corner that is a dime player because you can line them up over one of the slots, just like your other, you know, your other corner. But that becomes a philosophy and it becomes a function of personnel. I'm not sure the Eagles have a safety right now on this roster who you could say would fit the role of a dime safety. Mm
1: yeah and I, t- I think that that's a, a big part of it. um, but something certainly that uh, was talked about a lot last week and when you brought it up, I said, you know, let me ask Greg uh, his thoughts on the topic. yeah and, let- and
0: again, yeah, and again, i I don't know the specific reason, but I course. do know that. You can't automatically say because you don't play dime that you're not a good defense. Oh, what are you doing? Yeah, right. You can't automatically say because you don't use motion on 80 percent of your snaps that you're a bad offense. You know, but a lot of these things get presented as absolutes and they're not
1: absolutes. Right. Well, it's uh, certainly becoming that kind of topic of conversation, uh, looking at that defensive package standpoint. Uh, Let's go over to the offensive side of the football where, look, most of this game. This team looked out of rhythm. They looked out of sync. Right. They could not get things going in the, in the run game. They could not get going, things going in the pass game. Uh, obviously, it was more pass than run. Uh, a lot of screens early in this game, a lot of throws close to the line of scrimmage that, uh, you know, a week ago, you and I sat here and we praised the fact, hey, the screen right. game was really, really effective. The Eagles one of the one of the best screen teams in the NFL. Now, last week uh that was not the case. Nick Siriani on Monday talked about how Carolina kind of changed their approach up a little bit. They weren't as aggressive up the field, and that kind of affected uh, you know, how well the screens worked or didn't work in this one. But when, for whatever reason, and we can talk about all of the you know, there's lots of different reasons, the offense, the pass game was just not functioning at a high level for the first three quarters and change uh in this game. Um so, yeah, you know, it was no, just one, was those, no, it was yeah, one of those mean, tough watches for sure on Monday
0: morning. It was one of those games. There was no rhythmic feel. I thought the Panthers played a lot more man coverage in the first half than I would have anticipated, yep. although they played more man this year, I think, than people think about the Panthers. Then in the third quarter with the lead, they started to play more zone. But, you know, they played a good amount of man coverage. They had snaps on third down, in which they used Reddick as a spy. Um, you know, so it was just – it was a game where they could not develop rhythm. And again, this is just a philosophical statement. Now, there are a lot of people who believe that if your offense is struggling, that the best way to gain some stability and continuity is to run the ball. But that's a philosophy. And obviously, that's not the philosophy that that um, Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen are taking right now. Um, and that's OK. I mean, You know, this is the way they're choosing to play. They're obviously choosing to play this way because they think it's the best way to play, given who their quarterback is, because most offenses play to their quarterback, because you're trying to maximize his positives and minimize what you feel are his negatives. So this is the way the Eagles are playing right now. They've been in the shotgun more than any team in the NFL. And again, that's just a philosophy and a statement. That's not a right or a wrong. Because yep. the team that's next is is the Chiefs. And I think people would say their offense is probably pretty good. Pretty good. So <laughs> so that's just that's a philosophy. Yep. You know, and, and and when your offense is playing well, people, you know, it's just like we just spoke about the defense. Well, this week, this past week, we're not going to get into a big discussion about nickel versus dime. The defense played really well. If the offense starts playing well, we're not going to get into a big discussion about running the football. You know, it's it's you can win in this league playing a lot of different ways.
1: No question. Uh, And I think that, um, you know, when you're talking about a quarterback making his ninth start uh, in the NFL, look, he had a great Jalen, had a great game last week and the game this week, not as good. You're going to have some of those ups and downs when you're dealing with a young quarterback, uh, still trying to get comfortable uh, in, you know, in his own skin playing in the league. So, uh, you know, you're going to have games like this ultimately. Good sign that they were able to kind of rebound. Good for Jalen for you know fighting through adversity uh, and coming through. Made a great play uh, late in the game. That I know you saw the the big one, the really the big one uh, that really kind of opened the floodgates for them. Essentially, was that fifty-three yarder. Yeah, because it came blocking. right after. What, it, what did you see on that play?
0: And it came right after the play where uh, you know they had to do the review to say that he uh, his arm was moving forward. So yeah. that 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 sequence was a little scary because if that was ruled a touchdown, away, yeah, no doubt, the game's over at that point. Yeah. They're not going to win that game, but. You know, to me, the 53-yarder, which came late in the third quarter to Watkins, that was the game changer. And they were in a one-by-three set, meaning the tight end Goddard. He was the boundary player there. He was the boundary X. And Watkins was number three to trips. Now, the Panthers, and, and they had done this before in the game, they used Reddick as a spy on Hertz, So their coverage was a zone coverage, what we call three under three deep. So they were missing one player underneath coverage because Reddick was the spy. So to me, anyway, someone has to carry Watkins' vertical route because he ran a vertical route from the inside slot to trips. And it has to be one of the hook-to-curl defenders, either Carter, who was closest to Watkins, or Chin from the other side. But my guess is Chin didn't see Watkins as his responsibility because Watkins' release was outside of Carter. But what that did is it put Watkins screaming at the post-safety Franklin. A tempo player, I believe. Yes, it um, was. Yep. Yeah, and and you know, you you just as a defense, you never want a four three five wide receiver screaming at your post safety. It's it, that's just a total mismatch. So he just obviously and, and Watkins made a nice little stick move to the outside, which Great move, yep. and turned around, and then he had all that space, which allowed Hertz who had to throw it probably a hair sooner than he wanted to because the the ET stunt was effective and Fox got in um he had to throw it a hair earlier but because he had so much space he could just lay it up he didn't you know he didn't have to really worry about being super precise with where he put it because there was so much space and uh he laid it out perfectly for the wide open Watkins and that was that
1: play changed the game how similar you were talking about the the communication in the, in the Carolina secondary there. How similar was that to uh, the play that Avante Maddox made on the deep post route from Robbie Anderson down the field where, I mean, he, he's kind of that underneath zone defender uh, in my mind. I don't know if you have any notes on the play, Greg, but he carries Anderson vertically where it looks like essentially like, oh, see. Was he playing? When I watched it on TV, I was like, "Oh, was Maddox playing as a two-high safety? Were they in man coverage?" No, like watching the film, like they were in zone, and he just carries Anderson vertically uh, and stays with Absolutely, makes an outstanding play on the ball down the field.
0: Yeah, I, I don't. I didn't make a note on that specific play, but the bottom line point is, first of all. That had to have been practiced during the week because, you know, the yeah. Eagles are, line up in, are going to line up in one by three sets. And, you know, you're going to spy because you, you practice that all week. Right. So somebody made a mistake. In, in, if you're playing three under three deep, someone has to carry the vertical by number three. Yep. Someone. Now, you could say, hey, it's a mismatch, even if it's even if it's Carter, the linebacker. But at least he's running with him. Yeah. You know, I mean, someone has to carry the vertical. Yep. It's just you can't let the vertical from number three in 303 deep coverage run free because then he's on the safety. And it's it's that's a problem. Normally, number three runs a little more of an angled you know, route across the field, which we've seen so many times in the NFL. And, and in this case, Watkins just released outside of the linebacker, not crossing his face. If he crossed his face, my guess is Chin would have had eyes on him and would have at least tried to run with him. But because he released outside of Carter, and maybe that was by design by the Eagles, um, Chin, who was the boundary hook to curl player,
1: never even got eyes on him. So the Eagles get points on that drive. Uh, Jalen Hurts sneaks it in on the goal that line. 1-yard uh, touchdown. A touchdown. Yeah. That was their first touchdown. They after the punt block, uh, TJ Edwards great punt block, outstanding play where uh, that's created by Sean Bradley. His get off, getting off the ball, he ends up taking two blockers with him. Uh, great angle by TJ Edwards playing off of of Bradley's hip. Great technique and discipline at the block point and he's able to get his hand on the football. Eagles get the ball in plus territory. Couple of big plays uh, get them down uh, where they're able to punch this one in for a touchdown as well. Greg, you get the Goddard twenty yard completion uh, on the, along the right seam, and then you've got Jalen Hurts on the touchdown run on the keeper. Uh, thoughts there, uh, just on that drive and the ability to punch it in.
0: Well, the twenty yarder was the key play. Yeah, the twenty yarder to Goddard. I mean that that again that was they came out of eleven a two by two set. Goddard was the slot to the boundary, and the Panthers decided to blitz here, so they blitzed with an overload concept from the field. So it ended up being a five-man rush, but an overload to the field side of the formation. And I'd love to know what you thought, Fran, because I looked at that play 25 times to try to figure out what the coverage was. Um, it's a blitz coverage, but to, it struck me as being kind of like a four-deep, two-under under kind of concept. I don't know what you thought it was.
1: Um, I always struggle with some of those blitz coverages, but I did, especially because it was uh, where it was on the field. I kind of felt it was a, a four-deep, two-under as well. Um, but okay. I wasn't. I wasn't 100 confident on that either. And and but the bottom line point is is that
0: Burns, who's not used to you know doing that because he's more of a pass rusher, he cannot get beat inside by Goddard. He cannot. And he he let Goddard run by him. And, and unless the the deep safety there is going to really squeeze that hard, Goddard's going to be wide open, which he was. And it and it's pitch and catch, which it became. Yeah. So I you know I, I don't believe. I can't believe that that they that's what they wanted the result to be from a Panthers perspective, mm. um, because Goddard was wide open and uh, and and Hertz did have time. The the blitz was picked up extremely well, no problem. Hertz had time and he stuck it right on Goddard's hands with a beautiful throw. But um, but again, if you're a Panthers fan, that play probably sticks in your craw just like the the Watkins 53-yarder does.
1: Yeah, uh, a couple of big uh, miscommunications in coverage or just. Like- Unexecuted, poorly executed plays uh by that side of the football. Uh Eagles, like I said, punch it in on the zone read keeper. Nobody scrapes over the top with Jalen Hurts. He runs in to the end zone. Uh they yeah. can two-point conversion uh, uh soon afterwards. Jalen Hurts uh looked like it was some kind of a blown protection, Greg, uh where uh, you had a free rusher coming off Jalen Hurts right side. He makes that man miss and finds yeah. that, uh in the back of the end zone. But um one last thing. And this is, look, the Eagles now get the ball back after the Stephen Nelson interception, trying to ice the victory. This is where Miles Sanders runs out of bounds a couple of times. Uh, Got a little sloppy there from from that standpoint. That said, uh, the offensive approach I thought was interesting, Greg, that drive. The Eagles played a lot of tackle over with two tight ends tight to the formation on the opposite side. Yeah, Yeah, no, you're right. Run heavy look left and the pass heavy look to the right. And the Eagles ran the same play, ultimately, like a handful of times, uh, going right down the field. They ran a lot of the, the, the stretch plays behind the tackles, and then they ran speed option a couple of times to the tight end side. And I thought it was just interesting to see them go back to back to back to back there.
0: Yeah, and and, and obviously the Sanders 18-yard run was was a big run.
1: And, and actually, uh, did, so Dickerson, did he get hurt? He did. Uh, he did. Uh, Nick Sirianni said that he had an ankle injury that should be good to go uh, here moving okay. into Thursday. Because, I mean, I thought Herbig had a
0: great block on the 18-yard run by uh, yeah. by Sanders. Yep. I mean, he had a really good block because that was a tough block because I believe it was Jones. Jones was outside of him. I think yeah. it was Jones. Jones was outside of him in a three-technique alignment, and he was able to, to turn him and and reach him. And, and that was an outstanding block. And then, of course... Um, there was a really good block there. I think that was Dillard on, uh, you know, getting up to the linebacker level.
1: Dillard's I think uh, really the, played well. He's building on uh, multiple <clears throat> week over week. Yeah, he's played really well at left tackle these last three weeks. No, no question. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that was the, the offense performance. Like I said, mostly, uh, you know, it was a little bit of a tough watch, but the Eagles you know, were able to come through and execute when it mattered most at the end of the hey, game.
0: When, you know what? When you're trying to build a program and there's exactly. no what, – what, what was the Eagles' record last year, Fran? 4-11-01, right? 11-01, yeah. Okay. So they're in somewhat of a rebuilding phase. That's why you hire a new head coach, and that's why you do what you did. So when you're trying to, you know, win games and build something, you know, there's nothing wrong with an ugly win. There's nothing yeah. wrong with it. They count.
1: No, yeah. especially the first half of the year. You need to of those as you can get because they're better yeah. than they're lost. Uh, you lost. Know, you know, that's big when you get down into the final standings and things uh, in December. Greg, let's spin this to Thursday. And obviously, look, they the defending Super Bowl champs come to town. you got the well-defined systems on both sides of the football. Uh, this is a team that's beat up a little bit, but we'll start over on the other side. Since we're talking about Eagles offense, let's stay with that matchup and look at this Bucs defense. Todd Bowles, we know the identity, and it's going to start with pressure. Uh, he's going to bring a lot of heat. They're going to. It's going to come from every angle. A lot of a gap pressure stuff. We'll certainly see a lot of that with you know the the speed that they've got at the second and third level coming right up the middle. Big challenge here for Jalen Hurts and the Eagles' offense.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of pressure um, now. The one big deal though could be Levante David. We don't know what his status is. He's so critical in my view to that defense. And while Kevin Minter is a very solid pro, he just doesn't bring the same. Skill set that Levante David does, but sure. that D line is really, really good. I really? mean, we know about the starting four. I don't know what you think, but I think Joe Tryon, who was their first round pick, I think he's been sensational when he's played. And I don't know how many snaps he'll get. You know, now that Pierre Pauls is back, and obviously Barrett, but uh, Tryon, when he played, they moved him around. He played DN. They stood him up. He was a joker. He's he was a dominant player. So they are really, really good up front. Now, this is a team that doesn't play a ton of cover one. They'll play. They actually play more two man than they do cover one. Um, But they do play a ton of cover three. Uh, So, you know, it's and, and again, we spoke about it just a little bit ago. They play nickel. They don't play dime. So uh, the big question, too, is is Antoine Winfield because he's a very good safety. So if he's out, it's, it's Mike Edwards, who I always liked when he came out of Kentucky. Yep. And he's been a pretty solid player. And it's Whitehead. So, I mean, Winfield, a very, very good player. But I wouldn't call that a weakness. The big question for them is at corner. Yep. Um, Sherman is playing a left corner. Uh, Dean, I it will be a right corner because Davis is on IR yep. and Cockrell is not really a slot corner. So that could be viewed as a, as a weakness in their, in their coverage.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's who played in the nickel uh, for the Sean Murphy bunting on injured reserve. Uh, yep. they're, for him later, you know, a few weeks from now, Carlton Davis, they announced that it's not going to need surgery, but so they're expecting him back later this year, but uh, obviously will not be a go. For this game, um, a lot more zone. You know, you mentioned they play, play a lot of cover three, but they definitely play it a little bit more cover two as well uh, in this yep. game against Miami. Obviously, when you have when you're down a lot of corners, uh, you'll see usually, especially if you got a lot of vets going in there, you're typically going to play more a little bit more zone. Uh, we'll see if that if that holds true. And I per- and I believe that they'll play.
0: Um, they'll blitz, no question, selectively, but I think there'll be a lot of four man rush. Um, I think they'll try to keep eyes on Hertz because I think the feeling will be that they can at least close down the pocket with their with their down four. Um, because it's not always about sacks, it's about speeding up the quarterback. And I think they would like to keep eyes on Hertz. Mm -hmm. So I think you'll see zone more so than you'll see man in this game, just to get those eyes on Hertz and prevent him from making those big plays and and feel that hey, if he can be precise from the pocket, then more power to him. You know, they'll give him all the credit in the world, but I think that that's what they're going to try to make Jalen Hurts be in this game, precise from the pocket.
1: Sure. Uh, And just looking at from a personnel standpoint up front, you talk about Joe Tryon. I think Eagles fans are aware of what Jason Pierre Paul can be. Shaq Barrett, uh, kind of a short, squatty rusher, but really, really dynamic athletically, and has gotten so much better with his hands over the course of his career. Uh, You know, especially in that scheme, he'll get moved around and they'll do different things with him. So uh, he can be so effective. But I want to ask you about Vita Vea, you know, former top 10, top 15 pick coming out of Washington. This is an immensely powerful human being, and uh, with, with light with light feet, by the way. Yeah, he,
0: he does not play like a big
1: plotting guy. No, and that's the, I wanted to bring that up because watching this game that the Eagles just played against Carolina, I thought Derek Brown looked like maybe the best player on the field. Wow, oh, had a lot okay. of issues with him, uh, and so Vita Vea uh, that kind of you know, presents a similar challenge, you know, more so uh, just because he's been a, he's a little bit more uh, experienced. Well, it's a great point you made because Derek Brown had
0: a number of really good snaps. No, really. really good snaps. Because so, yeah, he's another guy that's country strong with light feet in some ways, very much like Vita Vea, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and Sue, don't, don't forget Sue. No, I mean, enough. Sue can still play. I yep. mean, th- that that's a, a really interesting matchup. The interior of, of the Eagles O-line uh, versus Vea and Sue. Um, and, and, We'll see how that plays out, but that'll be really, really an interesting matchup because Driscoll's going to play inside again, I imagine. And, and obviously, Kelsey's a very good player, but Kelsey is not, even when he's at his best, is not what you'd call a, a power player. So uh, th- that, that's a great point you're making. And that's why I think while they will selectively blitz. And I could be dead wrong. Yeah, Todd Bowles is a lot smarter than I am, but I don't know if this will be a super high percentage blitz game. It'll be selective, but I don't think it'll be all
1: out. Right? Yeah. And I, I, Devin White, if they do blitz a, lot, a guy that's very active in their pressure scheme. Yes, he is. And yeah. and one thing they do, one thing he's very good at, by the way,
0: when they do play man, is if you feel you need to use your back to help in protection. He's a really good green dogger. If he's responsible for the back, if the back stays in, he goes and he gets there.
1: Mm. No, he's a a really really dynamic player and just a good fit for that scheme because of the things that you mentioned. Uh, Look, the the injuries at corner uh, that's going to kind of limit them, but they're going to be a they're going to be you know that they're probably you're going to face a a level of pressure. What that looks like, like you said, uh, is it going to be as heavy as normal? We'll see, Uh, but you know you're going to get some kind of pressure here from Todd Bowles. In this game, just like you're going to get quality quarterback play from the the guy on the other, side, you know, the other side. Yeah, we
0: can probably say he's pretty good, and I don't know what else to really say. I think we're good there,
1: Greg. Greg I mean, just like even why he was dealing on Sunday, he's, oh. he's he's so fun to watch. He's so. I fun mean, it's you know, every time I watch him, and
0: and it's easy to say, Fran, that he's the greatest of all time. Okay, yeah. we yeah. know Tom Brady's great. Okay, so every time I watch Tom Brady. I think to myself, all these people who say you cannot play quarterback in the NFL now unless you run around. And then I think of Tom Brady. And like I said, then people say, oh, you, you can't talk about Tom Brady. He's great. Well, it's the process of being great. It's not just because he's great. Right. Why right. can Tom Brady play quarterback without running around? Mm. You know, yep. and he's, I he's, mean, you, to you, gotta you, know. Have an, you have to have an answer for that question. Right. You yeah. can't just toss it aside and say, oh, he's great. That, that's the answer. That's not the answer. Yep. you know it's the process it's it's the total understanding of everything that's going on on the field and then the repetitive mechanics he throws the ball the same way every time that's another thing that gets me is now oh you got to be able to throw from multiple platforms you got to throw it underhand you got to throw it between your legs you got to do this you got tom brady looks the same every time he throws the ball
1: yep yeah, and to the other thing too, and you know, I was talking about this uh, with Ben as we were studying the Bucks. You know, the, this is not an offense that you would deem as quarterback friendly. When you arrive, you look at the way that they play. Uh, you know, whether it's and look, of course they incorporate pre snap motion and changing up the personnel groupings and play. Yes. Of, of course they do, but the throws that Tom Brady is asked to make in that offense are not what you would deem as. Oh yeah, that's a throw that most quarterbacks in the league can make, and he does it repeatedly at a high level. And it's just... So, in fact, you crazy. make a great point because you could argue that the
0: offense he was in in New England was kind of cleaner in that regard, you know, for presenting those throws. Now, in Bruce Arian's offense, and while there's a mix of what Brady likes and what Arian... There's, there's the Arian's factor here as well where there's more downfield throws. He's actually making, on a weekly basis, what would be viewed as more difficult throws now than he did much of his... Patriots career with the exception of the years he had Randy Moss when Josh McDaniels clearly added in the vertical pass game because Randy Moss was as good a vertical receiver as we've ever seen in the league. But yep. he's making a lot of those vertical throws. And you know what? He's making them.
1: He's making them. No, I mean, no question. And uh, he's making them when connecting with the best receiving core in the league. I mean, you, know, you look at Mike Evans, you know, Chris Godwin, you've got Antonio Brown. Uh, obviously, you get into the tight ends, but even the, the young pieces that they've got behind those three guys, whether it's Tyler Johnson, who ran some ridiculous routes against Miami, Jalen Darden has been a healthy and active He was a guy you and I both liked as a rookie yep. coming into the league this year. He's not even playing, but Jaden Mickens, Mickens is a, a nice role player for them. Uh, they incorporate all three of the tight ends. Gronkowski, obviously, extremely productive before his injury. Bruce Arian saying on Monday that it'll be very, very close for him to be able to play on thursday so something to keep an eye on here but oj howard cameron great uh well, you know all the backs involved i mean it's they get everybody the, involved.
0: the bottom line point is they can play out of any personnel package and be effective this yep. particular game was an 11 personnel game now again that may have been because of gronk it may have been because of the nature of the opponent you know we, we'll never know the specific answer to that but brady was unbelievable out of 11 personnel I mean, it, and actually this season, 73% of his pass attempts have come out of 11 personnel. So, you know, he's, but again, it doesn't matter. You know, it's just he the efficiency with which he plays. And he just knows so much. I mean, you can tell that, that he just knows before the snap of the ball where, where he's going. And the one other point I wanted to make, because I know this has been big, you know, not in Philly, but just kind of in the social media world and in the fantasy world about Leonard Fournette. Um, the reason Leonard Fournette plays is two reasons. He's an excellent receiver and he's really good in pass protection. Yeah. You know, and if you and if you watch this week, which you did, Baker had a sack on Brady, and that resulted from Baker driving back Gio Bernard, not Fournette, right into the pocket. Yep. Fournette, you know, this team is never I, I know two weeks ago Fournette ended up with 21 carries. This week he had 12. It, He's not the driving force of the offense, obviously, and it depends on the game, you know, if by chance, and we hope this doesn't happen, but if by chance, you know, the Eagles are down 24-3 in the second quarter, Fournette may get 20 carries, but they don't build their offense around Fournette, but he's a really good receiver, and he is a good pass protector, and you will play in the backfield for Tom Brady if you can pass protect
1: no doubt. Uh, And real quickly, just to talk about the skill sets, I mean, Mike Evans, Godwin, and Brown, uh, really complimentary. I mean, Evans, obviously, uh, he's an alien in terms of the way he's built and the way that he moves, just such a vertical dimension uh, to that offense. Uh, Antonio Brown, uh, still really, really sharp, so quick in and out, uh, dynamic after the catch. We saw the long catch and run for a touchdown in the game. And then Godwin kind of playing that power slot role, that big body in the middle of the field, he can work at all three levels, uh, is often used in motion. Um, Just a, a really Complementary set of pieces.
0: Yeah. I mean, you kind of nailed it. I don't have a ton to add. Um, so it'll be really interesting how the Eagles decide to play. We know they're not a man team. They're not going to play man this week. They can't match up. Yeah. The question yeah. becomes, does Slay, as he did this week right. um, you know, versus Moore, does he at least line up over Evans? I don't know. I mean, This is going to be a heavy zone week because they just can't they can't match up at all because Maddox cannot match up to Godwin. As much as you and I both like Maddox and the fact that he's tough, he's feisty, he's competitive. Same with Stephen Nelson, all those good things. They just can't match up. So this will be a heavy zone week. Um, The issue you face and this is where the rubber could meet the road here is. I think the Bucks' all-line is pretty darn good, and the Eagles' D-line is going to have to really be good in this game. They're going to have to try to speed Brady up because yeah. um, if they don't speed Brady up in this game, uh, you know, and again, I'm not trying to – we're just talking ball here. I'm not trying to be pessimistic, optimistic, whatever, but if you don't speed Brady up, it's, it, it's, it's really tough to match up to this passing game.
1: And that's why I wanted to wrap it up with that, was just talking about the offensive line. You have Donovan Smith at left tackle, Ali Marpet at left guard, Ryan Jensen, uh, one of the best centers in football uh, on the inside, Alex Kappa at right guard, Tristan Wirfs at right tackle. uh, It's a group (coughs) from left to right. You know, Donovan Smith, you might not say one of the top 10 left tackles in football, but he's a good player uh, and a reliable starter. And I think you would say that about a handful of these guys up front for the box.
0: And don't forget, Brady makes these guys better too, the way in which he plays. Yeah. You know where he's going to be and the ball comes out. Yep. So I mean, we can debate where guys rank. I mean, I think Worse is a really good right tackle. Um, you know, Jensen is the kind of guy that every, if he's on your team, you love him. If he's not on your team, you hate him. He's that kind of player. And you most,
1: know, and most most people, I think, that are you know that focus in on O line and D line. Okay, they were easily one of the top five, six centers in the league, easy, without question. And and. You know, I think Mark you
0: know, again, I'm not, I don't fancy myself a guru, but I think people who know, you know, the Brandon Thors, the Duke Mannyweathers of the world would say that Marpet's a pretty good player, too. Yep, no doubt.
1: No, it's a it's a really good group, and that will be uh, a heavyweight fight for certain when you look at the their O-line against the Eagles' uh, defensive front. We'll be talking about it uh, next week right here on the Eagle Line in the Sky podcast. Greg, thanks so much for joining us once again, and we will talk to you next week. All right, fan. Look forward to it. The Philadelphia Eagles, a new era, introduced the Fly Collection, an elevated, boldly branded apparel capsule with streetwear appeal that's different from your standard Eagles fan gear. The collection sees bold new graphic expressions of the Eagles brand on apparel essentials like hoodies, T-shirts, jackets, and headwear. The designs are kept simple, mixing fresh, modern branding alongside bold punches of color available exclusively at all Philadelphia Eagles Pro Shop locations and the team's official online store. Learn more and view the entire capsule at PhiladelphiaEagles.com fly. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag. Great stuff from Greg, who you can follow on Twitter just like I do at Greg Cosell. And while you're at it, I'm at Eagles XOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's nose content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on all forms of social media. That is one way to support the show, but the best way is to go on an Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating, or even leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout out today to someone who did exactly that. Write him, longtime listener, left a five-star review saying, Fran, I love the new faux-focused aspect added to the podcast this year. It really brings an inside perspective to the other teams. Question, as I watch Jalen Hurts play, the comparison I see with him is Dak Prescott. How does Jalen Hurts compare to him coming out of college and in the rookie season? So uh, write him. I think that's a great question. And I think when you look at that, and that's kind of what you're expecting, right? I mean, Dak Prescott was a fourth-round pick when he was coming out of Mississippi State. Greg and I have talked about this on the show before Dak was far from a finished product when he came out of college, and and his accuracy issues uh, were a big problem, and one of the reasons why he fell to the third day of the draft. He had all of the intangibles, so everybody rallied around him, and obviously, big kid, strong arm, he was athletic, but just the the accuracy and consistency from the pocket, that was the question. Now, what Jalen Hurts is facing early in his career versus the situation that Dak Prescott stepped in, a little bit different, right? Obviously, they had just taken Ezekiel Elliott in the first round, top five. They were going to run the offense through him, through the run game, and even still watching them this year, right? That is their game plan. They're going to run the football 30 times a game, and Dak Prescott, not necessarily a compliment, but he's going to build off of that, uh, and I think that that's kind of the situation he was dropped into. That's not common in today's NFL, right? So it's a little bit different when you look at their career development and what you're looking to see from them, but yeah, I mean, that's that's the arc that you're hoping for, and Dak Prescott Not necessarily the the game changer, the catalyst of that offense until you saw him get into year three, year four. So we'll see if that's what happens here with Jalen Hurts. But you want to continue to see him making some strides, making some strides in the areas where, uh, you know, there there were perceived weaknesses of his coming into the NFL. Just get a little bit better in those areas. It's not going to be game after game, week after week. You're going to have some ups and downs. But I think continuing big picture to build that faith from the organization. Say, yeah. I can be this guy. I can be the franchise quarterback moving forward for this team. That's what the Eagles are hoping to see here over the next few months. Uh, Good question there, though, from Will. And obviously, that is a comparison a lot of people will continue to make, certainly watching this NFC East. So great stuff there from Will. Thank you to him, and thank you to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles Entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the NovaCare Complex, I'm Fran Duffy. We will talk to you later this week.